the GEC Important Talks. This is a podcast series presented by the team at Global Education Connection, a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing children who are affected by conflict or natural disaster with resources like educational materials and art supplies. As a part of this podcast, we want to talk about important topics related to children, their human rights, and their education. Of course, neither of us is an expert on these topics. We speak only to our knowledge, personal experiences, perspectives, and opinions, but there are many credible sources for further information. Today we have myself, Catherine Slaughterback, and Parker Beck as your hosts. And today we're going to be discussing um, the current legal battles that the Trump campaign is facing in states like Maine and Colorado regarding him being on the ballot um, as a result of uh, the 14th Amendment and the January 6th um, event at the Capitol. Um, But before we get into that, here's just a quick word about our business sponsorship program. Yes. So the business sponsorships are a great way for uh, local businesses, uh, national or international businesses to be able to support the work that we do. Um, We are able to continue this work through the generous contributions of our listeners, uh, individual donors, grants, but also business sponsors. So if you yourself have business or you work for business that you think might want to be able to support the work that we do, please reach out to us on our website. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you all so much. And we also encourage you all to check out our brand new Patreon, which I will link in the description below. So... At this point, I feel like we're all kind of a little bit familiar with the various ongoing legal battles that Trump is currently facing, but the one that's at least been in the news a lot recently has been, um, like I mentioned, the um, current debate over his ability to be on the ballot. Uh, States like Maine and Colorado um, have already ruled that no, he can't. Um, Those are obviously being challenged in court. Um, Other states like California have said that they're not going to entertain that outside of um, a legal battle. Um, And I I believe that um, it's currently being up for debate in Oregon, but hasn't actually like reached a court yet. Um, So it's, it's kind of something that's happening all over the country. Um, So this isn't an isolated thing. Um, A lot of different states are considering this. And now with, Colorado and Maine having ruled on it is now going before the Supreme Court because the Trump campaign has appealed it. Um, When the Supreme Court will rule on that, who knows? Um, How they will rule on that, who knows? But for now, um, he is still on the ballot in those states, um, but it's currently up in the air whether he will be in the future. So actually, According to the New York Times, they posted an infographic showing a map of the country, and there's actually quite a few states that have already made decisions on this or are currently pending a decision. So, um, as you as you mentioned, Colorado and Maine already made a decision. They decided that Trump would be disqualified, and that decision um, is, is currently being appealed. Um, and then also... States such as Montana, Idaho, Utah, Kansas, Oklahoma, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Delaware, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut have all, um, they've all received challenges and they've all demissed or rejected those challenges to Trump's um, eligibility. Now, if there's other states where the decision is currently pending, such as Alaska, California, Nevada, Oregon, 
Wyoming, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, West Virginia, Wisconsin, New York, Vermont, and New Hampshire. So all of those states are currently pending a decision as well. So the majority of states in the country have actually um, been discussing this and are trying to see whether or not he is eligible. Yeah, you know, because this this hasn't happened um, for a president ever. Um, the last time the 14th Amendment was invoked to prevent someone from office or I remove someone from office, I'm not sure 100% which one it was, it was back in 1911. Um, or back in the, it was early 1900s about someone who had supported Germany during the First World War and being a socialist. Um, but before that, it had primarily been used um, following uh, the Civil War, but before the Amnesty Act was put in place in the 1870s um, to prevent Confederates from holding office because engaging in insurrection kind of par for the course when you're going to war against your own country. So. It's It's been a very long time since this has been used. Um, that's why I think there's a lot of confusion over it, because this isn't something, you know, we talk about a lot. Like, you know, we're always talking about the First Amendment or the Second Amendment, um, but something like the 14th rarely gets brought up, especially like this tiny little clause um, that's only one part of this amendment. So, yeah, like you said, I mean, there's the, the law is written um, vaguely so that way it can be interpreted. And this is the first time that our legal system is having to interpret this section of the law. They're trying to determine whether or not that applies to the office of the president. So hence all of the national debate that we've been hearing and will continue to hear until the Supreme Court rules on it. And I have a feeling that we're still going to hear some grumblings even after the Supreme Court going to be happy after the Supreme Court rules on it. I mean, you have half the country that is going to vote one way and half the country that's going to vote another way. And so people are going to politicize the Supreme Court's decision, saying either, oh, this is this is not this is not right. It violates his constitutional rights or the Supreme Court is pandering to um, whether Republicans or Democrats, depending on how they how they vote. Yeah, you know, um, the Colorado case. Um, that was recently decided on by the Colorado State Supreme Court. But before that, it had been before um, a lower judge um, who ruled that Trump had committed insurrection on January 6th, but that the 14th Amendment didn't apply to the office of the president. Um, that's why it was appealed further up. Um, so it, it's, again, it's, I don't know if the debate, at least within the court system, is that is whether or not he's committed insurrection. I, I feel like a lot of people are kind of already on the same page on that. Um, it's whether or not this applies to the office of the president. Um, which I find kind of odd given the wording of the clause that they're referencing, um, because it says no person shall be a senator or representative of Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States, or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So, the, the whole debate is over whether uh, the, the phrasing, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, applies to the office of president, which, in my opinion, is kind of like a, why wouldn't it? 
what else would the office of the president be beyond well, the, one of the titles of the president is commander in chief so yeah doesn't that also apply to a military military um elected elected position yeah exactly that's why i personally am kind of a little baffled by why the 14th amendment in this case wouldn't apply like what like what are you saying the office of the presidency is then if it's not under this language um, because the the whole a, a big problem obviously with um a the constitution in general is how kind of purposefully vague it is um that's why there's so many debates over it because it's like oh you know why didn't they write it this way or why didn't they write it that way um and that's why there's so many different ways to interpret the Constitution, like constructivism or textualism, originalism. That's why, you know, two different Supreme Court justices can look at the same case, but have two completely different rulings on it, just based on how they personally interpret the Constitution. Um, well, and there's another, there's another uh, wrench to throw in there as well, is that he actually hasn't been convicted of anything. He's been well, you don't have to be. So... It convicted of of insert um, of so, I think that that's that's a big step. Is you can be charged with a crime and then found not guilty, and then in that case he has you would say that he has not engaged in insurrection if he's found not guilty. So he's been investigated and he's been charged with on multiple counts, um, but he hasn't actually been convicted of anything. So he hasn't been found by a a jury or a judge. Um, to actually be guilty of any of the crimes that he is currently um, facing in, in his legal issues. So I think that that plays a big role as well, is is if, if you, like, take this to anyone, anyone else, normal person, and say, okay, I'm, uh, I'm currently facing a couple um, speeding tickets and... I'm I'm fighting I'm fighting them in court because I don't think I should have received them, but a job says, oh hold on, you're 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 uh, you're facing these uh, these speeding tickets, these traffic violations. We're not going to hire you for this reason, and but I think I think that's not not exactly just because due process has not been has not been has not played out. Yeah, but I mean. It doesn't say it requires a conviction, just that you had to have committed it. it. Doesn't you know specifically say you need to have been convicted of treason or insurrection to. But you said something important there. It says you had to have committed it. You had to have committed insurrection, and he hasn't actually been found guilty of of like treason or or uh, engaging in insurrection acts uh, by a court. He's just being. And then it doesn't say he require. It doesn't require the conviction, though. So I guess it would be up to the individual judging the case of whether or not. That's that's why, like I said, in Colorado, the judge had ruled that he had committed an insurrection, but mm -hmm. that he hadn't. Uh, that but that the Fourteenth Amendment didn't apply to the office of the president. So. Yeah. And then that's that's what makes this so interesting is there's so many nuances of of the interpretation of the law, all of his different legal issues. Uh, people's opinions of him because everyone has an opinion of him there's no one that is in indifferent about trump i mean people either like him or they don't like him that's <laughs> so, so it's really going to be impossible to find someone that's impartial and can be solely objective about the law yeah you know but i don't know i feel like, like in like in that case 
I like I, I feel like that's just a reality though. Like, mm-hmm. and that like just no me- one ever is going to be impartial. Like as much as you say you are, like the, the human nature. Like sorry, I, I I personally don't think that there is like and a way to be impartial in certain cases. That just means the Supreme Court needs to take it up as soon as possible, because people are just going to continue to get more frustrated with with all, all of all of the noise. Yeah, because the 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 Colorado case isn't obviously a, a, applicable to the entire nation. It's just for uh, the the primary election in Colorado, uh, which means that the Supreme Court needs to kind of deal with it sooner rather than later because of the deadline um, for who can be on the ballot. I, that's considering that the primary elections start soon. Uh, that has to be pretty soon. Um, I don't remember exactly when Colorado votes, but like it's within the next couple months. We're already in 2024, so. So what you're saying is the normal timeline for these legal these legal procedures really can't can't be applied in this case. They really need to speed things up as they should. Yeah, I mean, but the, with election cases like this, it wouldn't be the first time the Supreme Court has done that. Just look at um, the 2000 election between mm-hmm. Bush and Al Gore. Yep. Um, They've they've ruled on elections before. Whether or not you think that they should have done that, it's a whole other argument. Um, but like they've they've they have the ability to do that. It's just they haven't officially, as of this recording, they haven't said whether or not they're going to take up the case yet. So who knows? We'll see. So reading reading into this some more. Um... It's it's interesting because public public perception and opinion of the Supreme Court is is really quite at a low at this point. Um, a lot of the public is they're either happy or they're very angry with the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade. They're also very frustrated with the Supreme Court in how they've handled the uh, the allegations and findings of like Justice Clarence Thomas Thomas or Alito and how they may have violated certain um, ethics um, with with gifts um, and all that. So there's a lot of people are, are, are not very trusting in the Supreme Court at this moment. So it's very interesting is if the Supreme Court does rule in it, are people going to trust? Are people going to have confidence in that decision? Yeah, you know, um, like you mentioned, all-time low for trust or support of the Supreme Court. I don't. That's not just obviously because of Roe v. Wade, but also um, other rulings they've made, like um, within the New York gun case. Or um, there are a lot. There have been a lot of high-profile cases recently, um, and I feel like it's not just because of how they're ruling, but who is doing the ruling because. A lot of people obviously aren't huge fans of Brett Kavanaugh, for example, or Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, these are people who uh, tend to inspire a certain amount of dislike among a portion of the population, which also then contributes to, I feel like, these negative feelings, um, but also the, the unfairness of the court, that these aren't people that we have personally elected into office who are able to then rule for life or serve for life um, until they either die or retire um, and they're the ones making these huge decisions for us um, but, but also at the same time though that's that's kind of 
you have to know that's what you're voting for when you vote for the president. You're voting for the president to be able to make the decisions on who might, who might become the next Supreme Court justice. That that has to be built into your decision making for when you vote for the president every four years. Yeah, but I don't think anyone had expected Trump to be able to put three Supreme Court justices on. You know, uh, Mitch McConnell dragged the Senate's feet so Obama couldn't put one into place because the election's in a few months, the election's in a few months. Um, and then after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, it was like, she died in what, September or October? And before the election had even taken place, Trump had already put um, Amy Coney Barrett on the court. Like it, it was it was insane. And I think uh, people witnessed that hypocrisy um what, what like in real time what what hypocrisy that obama wasn't able to put someone on the court because it was a few months out from the election but trump was able to put one out when it was just a few weeks out from the election and that was that was a pure example of of po- political division we don't want Obama, the republicans we don't want obama to be able to nominate someone because we think it's too close but then the other time is the Democrats are saying, hold on, it's the exact same instance. It is way too close to the election. Um, that I, yep, that was, that was pure hypocrisy from both the Republicans and the Democrats at that point. Yeah, you know, because he was not only able to stack the Supreme Court, but he also filled a lot of other positions in like federal courts um, that also take up these cases. So it's not just a maybe distrust of um, the Supreme Court, but I feel like the court system in general, because of how much Trump was able to do and influence just in the four years he was in office. Yeah, but I think going forward, that kind of needs to be what people, people need to not be surprised by that. That's the, that's the role of the president is to be able to nominate judges for, for their different appointments. Yeah, but I think kind of before Trump, it hadn't really, I feel like, hit anyone the reality of how important these positions are, or maybe what these positions like actually do. Because before then, it was just like, oh, it's a judgeship. Yeah, who cares? Um, yeah, so I mean, that, when that's last time an administration was able to appoint three, like you said. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that, that was that was a lot more significant than maybe just appointing one. Exactly, because like I said, these people are on the court until they retire or they die. Like, Thomas has been on the court since long, long before I was born. He's been, he was on, put on in like... Long, I mean, come on. I think it was Clinton that appointed him. So, like, a decade before I was born? (laughs) I wouldn't say that's very long, but okay. I would. That's that's half of my life. Um, But yeah, like... Roberts, uh, Thomas, like these people have been on the court for a really long time. And if uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had, um, like she had been on there for decades too before she passed. So, yeah, like, it's a position for life. And that's, but that's, like I said, that's something that we need to be prepared for is, I mean, there could be a possibility that, that, uh, People do pass away, so and those positions need to be filled. We just need to be ready and know that whoever we elect 
it's their job to be able to nominate these judges to the Supreme Court, to their Supreme Court positions. Now, whether or yeah. not pass, get pass, it gets passed through Congress, that is up to our other elected officials. Um, but that is the role of the president to at least nominate. Yeah, so I think that's important, not just, like you said, in voting for the president, but also Congress, because they're the ones who are confirming these appointments. Uh, but not only confirming appointments of Supreme Court justices, but also, you know, cabinet members or um, military officials. Like, Congress does so much more than I think people realize, but I also feel like that's kind of influenced by the fact that this Congress has done absolutely nothing. Um what was it that they were like the most ineffective Congress like in like uh, forever uh, like the news was reporting on that not that long ago that they literally did so little work this past year that they were like the most ineffective Congress um, which, is, which is itself very interesting because if they were so ineffective that means nothing got better and nothing got worse so what are they really doing and, and well, so, I, very interesting I, I would honestly say that by them not doing anything, things can get worse because, you know, they weren't addressing things like inflation or, um, like... Then we get into the inflation inflation topic, and, and you can argue how much, how much power does Congress actually have over inflation? I would argue very little. There are things that they can do to help combat it. Um, like, I know, like... Putting hmm? on putting on the spot no well, I'm sorry, the audio cut out so yeah. i couldn't hear what you said so what would be some of those those moves that congress could make to like you said combat inflation like i know that they can do investments in certain things or god you're asking me about the economy when the economy is not my thing um that's, that's the thing though is, is like is really congress has such a small role to play in power of the purse though in in Yes, yes, and that's that's the Treasury, that's the Federal Reserve, that's not Congress. But they control it. They like they have the power of the purse. They're the one that makes yes. the budgets and push a budget. But that really doesn't doesn't affect the in inflation that much. It's very very well, small. Then the Federal Reserve needs to be doing their job better. And they are they should be and are separate from the executive, legislative, legislative and judicial branch. They need to be separate, or else we're going to have a politicized Federal Reserve. And that itself is very dangerous. See, but I think with the nature of government, it's already politicized. Like, you can't just say that any branch or like, it's, it's government. It's all politics. Like, it's... I mean, I, I, would, I would... So, so an example, like you said, is the... There is some politis, politis, there is some polit, politicization um, of the Federal Reserve. Jerome Powell, the current uh, Federal Reserve chairman, he was nominated by Trump. However, he stayed with the uh, Trump administration and continued on through the Biden administration as well. So I think presidents do know that they shouldn't be messing or putting too many fingers in the pot with the Federal Reserve. And that's why we've been able to see consistent chairmans going over through different administrations. Yeah, but, you know, um, they obviously the a chairman that Trump picked, even if Biden kept it, um, Biden might not have picked him because that chairman might lean more conservative or one Biden picked might lean more liberal in certain areas. So 
um, especially with like like you said, distribution of money or how they're going to raise interest rates or mm-hmm. things like that, you know? Um, it's all very... There's a lot of politicking going on behind the scenes, you know? You pick certain people for certain positions, not just because of how good of a job that they can do, but also because of money. Like, if you look at the current chairman of the Federal Reserve, if I remember correctly, he worked for, like, Goldman Sachs and stuff. Oh yeah, there's de- there's definitely there's definitely um, some instances where there's a, a mix of private and public sector, and you would you could also make the argument that there's conflicts of interest too. I'm, that's I'm I'm not going to disagree with that at all. I just think that the Federal Reserve is pretty politically separ- um, like separated from all of the the mess that we see on Capitol Hill. Um, if if the Federal Reserve was politicized. Um, you would see decreases in inflation, infla- de- decreases in in in, um, in mortgage rates leading into presidential election years. You would see increases with some administrations, decreases with others, and and we haven't seen that. There is no evidence or no uh, correlations of of evidence suggesting that. See, that's not where I would necessarily like look to it like within election years because i don't again know how much it necessarily is dependent on the president or more like um what major corporations want out of the economy at that time that's just probably the pessimist in me um and again like these people who usually rise to these high positions of power within monetary institutions within the government worked for these big banks um who obviously still have ties to these establishments so it's like a one of those weird things of how much are you doing this because it's the best thing for the American people or because it's the best thing for big banks and other institutions. Um, but like kind of going back to like putting these people in positions of office and how that affects, you know, Supreme Court and how that'll affect the ruling on the Trump case and whatnot. Like, even if like we look at, our like presidential candidates and go okay i need to pick who will be the best at picking people for these positions for the next 20 plus years i don't think anyone looked at the court in 2016 and went we are going to need to fill three more spots within the next four years trump is the best person to fill those spots because like the, he filled like the most number of positions in ages like obama hadn't filled that many seats Especially not in just four years, so those those seats were not available. But I do remember that was a that was a point of discussion leading into the twenty sixteen election was that there was the possibility that there were going to be multiple seats vacated. Yeah, but you know, I don't as as much as it should be something that the American people consider when going to vote. I like I don't think that's going to be the first thing on everyone's mind. It's not um like a what like is are they tabletop discussions or dinner table discussions dinner table discussions yeah you know like i don't know how much the supreme court is usually a part of that except for when they are making these extremely controversial rulings like on roe like on guns um on first amendment or any like these big big cases um so most people are going to be worried about putting food on the table keeping a roof over their head, getting their kids in good schools, like stuff like that, that I don't think they're necessarily going to think about other things like Supreme Court, federal judges, 
um, who's in certain positions in the military or who's, oh, who's on the cabinet? You know, they're not thinking about these things, um, which I don't begrudge them for because like the, I don't think they, in, in a normal time, like no one really has to think like, gosh, I wonder what the secretary of transportation, wonder who's going to be elected to that position, you know? Um, like most people I'm with Pete has Pete done anything? Well, yeah, actually he has, he has done a couple things, um, especially with like airline, airline price gouging and some of those things. Um, yeah. Like most, like the average American isn't going to have to think about that. Maybe they'll notice the benefits after it's done, but they're not going to think about that when going into the, to the booth to vote, you know? Yeah. Yep. And maybe, I mean, maybe that, maybe that should be the point is these are people that we don't need to know about because if we know about them, that means they're in the news, they're making noise. Um, I know in the news is uh, Mayorkas, the secretary for Homeland Security, um, because a lot of people are upset with the um, Homeland Security's inability or inaction with uh, immigration. And so he's, unfortunately, he's front and center in the news. So I think it's a good thing when we don't have the secretaries that are in the news, like like you said, Pete Buttigieg. Yeah, you know, I think the one that we should honestly only see consistency is like Secretary of State, yeah, or like, even yeah. maybe like Defense or those those big positions yep. that people look to for certain reasons. But most people shouldn't have to worry about the Supreme Court or how the president or the person they're voting into the presidency is going to put these people on the Supreme Court because it, like ideally the Supreme Court should be as you said like as impartial or unbiased putting that in parentheses or quotation marks uh, as they can be because you know it's it's not supposed to be about your own political your personal beliefs but how the Constitution is read but then like you don't think about how your own personal beliefs shape how you view the Constitution because like I said, there are various different ways, uh, like literally different, like organized ways to view the constitution. And like at this point, a lot of the Supreme Court is made up of originalists, meaning that they don't view the, the constitution as something that kind of grows as the country, uh, like as we become older, as um, like they, they think, they look at it as if they were a, founding father sitting in the room when they're signing that bad boy that like that nothing has changed since the point that the constitution was ratified that it isn't a living breathing document it is frozen in time um, which is why um like so many rulings are kind of always referring back to the founding fathers or uh, referring back to things like the federalist papers or declaration of independence these other uh revolution era documents that kind of corroborate how they view that the, the founding fathers interpreted the constitution. Um, Catherine, in your opinion, what do you think is going to happen with the Supreme court? What do you think their decision is going to be and how do you think that's going to impact the election? See, I, I'm kind of divided on this. Like, because like we've, we've talked a lot about how Trump stacked the Supreme court, like, mm -hmm three of the members were put into place by him the conservatives have a majority on the court however majority yep. 
yeah, so I I could see them ruling in his favor. Um, but I also think that a lot of the a lot of Republicans, at least the ones in power, have even if they are publicly supporting Trump, I think that they realize that another Trump election would or Trump presidency would not go well. Um, that or that he wouldn't be able to or would have a very, very hard time winning the twenty twenty four election. So I could see them trying to sway the Supreme Court to either not take up the case or to maybe remand it back to a lower court so they don't actually have to deal with it, but that the lower courts do, and just hope that the lower courts stick with what has already been ruled upon by Colorado. So that's really interesting because then we're then the Supreme Court is leaving it up to the states to determine who is eligible or ineligible to be on the ballot. Yeah, you know, I mean, they've left other things up to the states. Maybe this should be one of those things that they... Uh... That is a very interesting precedent to set. Now, so we know what, so now that's what you think is going to happen. What do you, what, if you were a judge, what would you, what would you rule in this instance based off of your interpretation of the law and how you know it's going to affect uh, future precedent? Well, I mean, no matter what, you're establishing precedent in this case. Like we said, this, like, 14th Amendment has never been used to bar a president from office. Um, but I think regardless of him not currently being convicted of insurrection over January 6th, um, I personally, like, I, I don't know what else you could call that beyond insurrection and he aided and abetted in it. Um, so I, I agree with the Colorado Supreme Court. I would rule the exact same way that they did, that he did commit insurrection out of the 14th Amendment, which while not explicitly stating the office of the president, does say, you know, offices held by civil or um, military, um, what was it, um, hold any office, civil or military, under the United States, who have taken, like, you take an oath when you go into office um, to uphold the Constitution, and that is mentioned. Even, like I said, like, the office of president isn't, people who up take these oaths to uphold the Constitution, he violated that, so he violated the 14th Amendment. So I, like I said, I would just rule the same way that Colorado did. Um, but what about you? So I think this is really, really interesting because in my, my interpretation of the Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, I agree with you on that. I think that it clearly does show that the president is, uh, that that relates directly to the office of the president, what the, the verbiage of Section 2 uh, states. However, I think this is going to set a very dangerous precedent whereby we're going to have states that are going to be convicting, or not convicting, they're going to be charging uh, people in certain uh, positions of political power um, based, off, based off of really ideology. And we're seeing this right now with the Democrats in Congress voted to impeach Trump during his presidency. The Republicans in Congress have started the impeachment inquiry into Biden's family. It's almost a tit for tat. I don't think that Congress right now would be starting an impeachment inquiry if Trump had not been impeached in Congress twice um, with the previous administration. 
and so I so I don't know if you can see where I'm, I'm starting to go with this, but I can see a point where certain certain states are going to be limiting who can be on the ballot and other states are going to do the same depending on if they have a Republican um, Republican run government or a, a democratic democratically uh, run government, whether it be more conservative or liberal. Now, it it's very interesting because you can also can get into the philosophy of why should we be limiting who can who the people can vote for, and shouldn't the people be able to decide for themselves who they vote for? And so right now there is no limitation on people who are are uh, criminal convictions of running for running for office. And and so if the people if if a if a democratically elected person um, through a majority vote is voted into office, then that means they have the confidence of over half the population. That means they were duly elected. And so if the government is coming in and saying, hold on, this person is not eligible, I think that that's very, very dangerous. And I think that's going to make a lot of people very upset, regardless of, regardless of, because I, not regardless, but I can see where if the if the Democrats can do this to Trump, I can see where the Republicans are going to do this to the Democrats, and it just it's going to be tit for tat, and it's we're going to go back and forth. That's going to be an issue now for for many years. Yeah, but it's insurrection or rebellion. Like you have to have very specific instances of however you define an insurrection or rebellion. Like what you, like. And so, so, so right now they're, they're debating. So the legal system is debating whether or not Trump engaged in insurrection, because like I said, he hasn't actually been convicted, but the Biden, the Biden family is being investigated by the, oh, let's see, the house committee, uh, house committee on oversight and accountability for, um, instances of corruption, um, revealing uh, abusing uh, public office for families financial gain that actually comes from the uh, house oversight website so it's um, that's really dangerous to start politicizing who can be on the ballot and who can't because people are very vengeful and if if your nominee isn't on the ballot you're going to make sure their nominee can't be on the ballot next time yeah but again it's, it's the requirement for insurrection or rebellion like it's just it's just because January sixth occurred, that's why people are able to make these arguments. So unless we see another event like that happen, like cases are just going to get dismissed. Um, but also like this idea of limiting who can be on the ballot, we do that anyway. You know, like as like you have like for certain offices, you have to be a certain age, you have to be, you know, a citizen of the United States. Uh, you have to have lived here for so many years. Um, or um, even like um, uh, for like ballots and stuff, you have to have reached so many signatories of mm-hmm. your thing yeah. to be on the ballot anyway. That's why third party candidates have such a hard time even just getting on the ballot because they don't necessarily have the required signatories. Mm-hmm. So we already have things in place to prevent people from running for office. That's not even getting into a whole debate on how expensive it is to run for office. Um, how time-consuming it is, um, but just, like, these things that we've put in place to even, like, just get on the ballot, like, 
We already have things in place. I don't know if saying those, trees. Those, those are very easy. Very easy to, um, like, those are really just, like, basic standards. Um, yeah, and so is not committing insurrection or rebellion or treason against the United States. But until it's actually been charged, uh, until it's actually been convicted, it's just a charge. And so so we can't actually say that, yes, it's right now it's just an allegation. It's not a real conviction. And so so right now it's that, that that's my, my whole argument is we can't be making decisions before it goes through the legal legal process. After it goes through the legal process, then that person has been afforded their rights. And unfortunately, or fortunately, they were found to have violated the law in a particular way. But jumping ahead and already excluding people based off of what you think is going to happen or jumping, jumping the gun is that, that to me is, is not, is not okay. Yeah. The, the judges weren't ruling on whether or not they thought that other courts would find Trump guilty. It was that those mm -hmm. courts themselves thought he was guilty based on the evidence provided and then said that the 14th amendment was then applicable to him because of serving in the office of president. So he can no longer Engaging in, engaging in insurrection is a crime, though, and if if they actually found him guilty of engaging in insurrection, he would be arrested or charged under those crimes, which he hasn't been, though. So it's just they they believe that he engaged in criminal acts, and therefore they say that that makes him ineligible. So that's what makes this whole debate so interesting as we're trying to debate these little tiny nuances. And it's, that's what, it's going to be a very frustrating year. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, and so that's what I'm saying. Like, if, if they said that he actually did engage in insurrection, that is treason. And that is a criminal offense. That is a federal crime. Therefore, he has to be charged. He has to be actually convicted of it. He has to pay a fine. It's, it's a felony. And, but none of that has actually happened. Yeah, you know, the, the, we've kind of mentioned earlier how slow the court system is. Um, and especially with a case like this, when you're going up against a former president who has so much influence over the American public, you need to make sure that your case is ironclad before you even mm -hmm. issue, like, charges. Um, Which is why Jack so, Stone. Jack Stone actually said, hey, let's bypass all the appeals process and actually go right to the Supreme Court because... We know there's going to be appeals upon appeals, so let's just go straight to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So, very, very interesting. Yeah, there are <laughs> so many things that you can talk about with this subject. You know, um, literally, there's, there's a reason legal scholars debate this stuff for literal years. Um, but I think that this is a good place to wrap it up there for today. Um, but before we'll I'd be circling back to this in a couple of weeks with, with more probably. information that's coming out. Yeah, definitely. Um, but before uh, we do, here's just a quick word about our coloring book. 
Yes. So uh, like we discussed in the beginning of the podcast, one of the great ways to be able to support uh, the work that we do is also through the purchase of a coloring book on Amazon. It's the same book that we've sent around the world uh, to kids. It's a great opportunity to be able to learn about different animals and draw up to 30 animals as well. Plus it also has some extra paper in there to be able to draw whatever you'd like. Um, it's a great gift and it's able to support the work that we do. So you can find that on Amazon and thank you. Yeah, I always link that in the description below, so I encourage you all to check that out, as well as uh, um, our shop on our website, where we have a variety of different products, so you can also check out um, and our monthly Think Tank publications that we have as well, uh, that you can read up on various subjects that we've covered, um, and like we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, our Patreon, which again is linked in the description below, as well as our business sponsorship program. Uh, so yeah, thank you all so much for listening. This has been GEC Important Talks, hosted by the team at Global Education Connection. You can find us at our website, www.globaleducationconnection.org, to learn more about who we are, what we do, and how else you can best support us. You can also follow us on all social media platforms to see firsthand the actions that we are doing and the effect that we have on communities. So thank you all so much for listening, and we hope to have you back next week. Bye!